Sunday, you would have heard it announced that we are beginning a new series um, called The Power Of. Someone say The Power Of. The power it's of. a very short series. It's only this week and next week, but I believe that you will be blessed by it. So if you've got your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And maybe you can take me down just a little bit, please. 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'm going to read verses 14 to 18. Then I'm going to jump and read verses 22 and 23. And of course, unless otherwise stated, all the scriptures that I'm reading to you today are from the New King James Version of the Bible. So we're going to read 1 Samuel 16 verses 14 to 18. Then I'm going to jump to verse 22 to 23. 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 14. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp, and it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, and you shall be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Verse 18. And one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and like Kunle, a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. Don't know why you're laughing. Verse 22. Then Saul, said, Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was, whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Amen? Amen. So we're beginning a new two-part series called The Power Of. Someone say The Power Of. And today, I want to begin the series with a message that I've entitled The Power of Music versus The Power of Worship. The Power of Music versus The Power of Worship. Incidentally, I think maybe a year or two into um, our church, I shared a message called The Power of Music versus The Power of Worship. This message isn't that message, but I really couldn't find another fitting title for what I wanted to share with you today. So I have just used the same title for today's message, The Power of Music versus The Power of Worship. Now, I want to begin by letting you know that in my life personally, there are many things that I'm intentionally conscious about, many things. But two things that stand out to me that I'm intentionally conscious about are jewelry and music. Jewelry and music. And this all began because of childhood experiences um, that I encountered when I was younger. For example, I remember... Um, I'm somebody who likes jewellery, by the way. I like wearing rings, I like wearing watches, and so on and so forth. So my birthday is coming up in a few months. If any of you, the Lord leaves it on your heart. Cartier, Rolex, you know, just let the God, just let God. Yeah, I've got a good taste. You think I didn't know? I've got a good taste. <laughs> so I'm very conscious of the jewellery that I wear, but I've always liked wearing rings. I've always liked wearing watches and the like. And I remember when I was younger, maybe around 14 or so, I bought a ring from a stool not far from where I live, and I remember going to play football, I played football then, and I remember taking off the ring because I didn't want to lose that ring and giving it to my manager and asking him to look after it for me, and I actually remember him 
taking out everything that was in his pocket, his wallet, his keys, and everything else, putting the ring in his pocket, making sure it was safe, and then putting his wallet and his keys and everything else back into his pocket. We played the match. Um, whether we won or lost is a different story. It's not relevant to today's sermon. But I remember at the end of the match, going back to him and asking him for the ring. And so, of course, he goes into his pocket, he takes out his keys, he takes out his wallet, he takes out everything that's in his pocket, but he can't find his ring. Which is quite weird, because obviously he's a manager, he's not running around, he just put it in his pocket, he's on the sideline, but he looked everywhere and couldn't find this ring. And he you know, assured me that he will look again when he gets home, and he'll just double-check his pockets and everything else, which he did, and then he sent me a message to say, unfortunately, I'm so sorry, I cannot find this ring of yours. No problem. I mean, it wasn't that expensive, so what I'll do is just go back to the same store which I bought the ring and buy another one, which I did. A couple of days later, going to church that Sunday, wearing that ring, I remember during the service needing to go to the toilet, and so I went to the toilet, and after using the toilet, of course, I washed my hands. Who do you think I am? Of course I'm going to wash my hands when I finish using the toilet. But I specifically remember taking the ring off and putting it on the side when I was washing my hands. And then I went over to dry my hands. And how many of you remember back in the day when you had that cloth that you pull? What were they thinking hygienic-wise? The, these days, I can't even fathom one of them being in the toilet now. But back in those days, it was a cloth. For those of you that are too young to understand, it's okay. And I would pull the cloth and I would dry my hands, and then I remember walking out of the toilet, forgetting my ring on the side, only to walk out of the toilet a couple of meters, stop, realize that I left my ring in the toilet, go back into the toilet, and the ring was gone. I was baffled because nobody was in the toilet, and nobody had been in the toilet, and I just left the toilet, and I just came back, and I couldn't find the ring anywhere in the toilet. So, like most people, you would think, okay, that's the ring gone. Cool, second ring. No, not me. I went back to the stall <laughs> to purchase this ring for a third time. But the curiosity in me made me ask the stall owner, this ring, I notice it's got a particular design on it. You know, I've bought a couple from you. What does it mean? And he just casually said, oh, this ring, oh, this ring just means that, you know, life is worthless. It's not worth living. Um, there is no beginning and no end. Everything is dull. Everything revolves around each other. And he was just giving me a whole plethora of negative things that the ring represented just casually. To which extent I said, unfortunately, this will not be my third purchase. <laughs> but thank you for informing me accordingly. And since then, I've always been conscious of the jewelry that I wear. There's been times where I have worn and bought certain things and the Holy Spirit said to me, take it off or don't wear it. And likewise, when it comes to music, there are particular songs and tracks and things that I've listened to that the Holy Spirit said to me, stop listening to that song or to those songs. In fact, I remember one particular time in my life experiencing a period of depression. And I remember praying about it and God saying to me, I'm glad that you asked me now. And he said to me, you see that song that you keep listening to? Stop listening to that song. And what was interesting to note was that the song was an instrumental. So it wasn't even about the lyrics, but he just said, stop listening to that song. And when I stopped listening to that song, I noticed a different countenance and I realized a different change upon me. But this should be no surprise to each and every one of us, especially when it comes to music, because we know how powerful music can be. 
Those we've read about in biblical times understood this, and our opening scripture is an example of this. Saul's servants recognized the power of music to the extent that when this distressing spirit came upon Saul, they didn't call a doctor, they didn't call a physician, they didn't call a lady to come and meet his needs, rather they called someone to come and play the harp because they understood how powerful music can be. Now, if you don't believe me, let me give you two examples that will help you realize how powerful music can be. Firstly, I would encourage you to go home and just put a song on in the background and leave it on repeat for a few hours. And I guarantee you, without even consciously making an effort, before you know it, you will be humming that song, if better yet, singing the lyrics of that song that you didn't even know your brain was retaining. I have been driving Esther mad over the last few days, repeating the same songs that I've been singing, which I will not sing for you, and by playing the same songs. And I'm one of those people, I don't know if anyone's like this, but I'm one of those people that when I like a song, it can be on repeat 50 times. I enjoy it the 49th time the same way I enjoyed it the second time. How many people are like that in there? I don't get bored of it. I can play it repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. You would think it's the first time I'm hearing it. No, 108th time and I'm still jamming. I'm still bopping. I don't get bored of it. And I would encourage you, go home, just leave a song on in the background. And I guarantee you, before you know it, you'll be humming that song. You'll be picking up the lyrics that you didn't even know. And some of us have been there before. Maybe you've been in a workplace where a song has been on or a song has been on the radio on repeat. How many of you have been there before? And then all of a sudden you find yourself singing the song and you're like, how did I even know the lyrics to the song? Just because it was suddenly there in the background because music can be that powerful that it's doing things to our minds that we don't even know on a subconscious level. But secondly, if you still don't believe me as to how powerful music can be, let me tell you a story. Now, this is a story about how my life got flipped, turned upside down, and I'd like to take a minute <laughs> just to sit right here and tell you what? Oh, so you know it, right? Oh, okay. How is it that you remember that years and years and years later on down the line? Because music is that powerful that it can be ingrained in us, not just for a moment, but actually for years longer than we expected. Now, I think it's fair to say, even with those two brief examples, that we all agree music is powerful and can be extremely powerful in our lives. And since I think it's fair that we would all agree on that, I want to bring something else to your attention. Please, please, please do not underestimate how powerful people of the world understand music to be. Please do not underestimate this. Whether it be marketers, whether it be businesses, or even music artists. In fact, some understand its power more than you think that they would actually go to extra lengths to manipulate it in their favor. Take, for example, this clip that we're going to play for you, which is an intro from a song. Thank you. Someone said I was getting ready. That's, that's the power of music. 
How many of you recognize that song? How many of you recognize that song? Okay, some of you are like, maybe not. It's okay. How many of you recognize that song? Fantastic. Now, in those few seconds that we just played, what did you hear? Humming? Instruments? Okay, fantastic. Many of us recognize that song. Uh, many of us said that we heard humming and some of us heard instruments and so on and so forth. But what you actually heard was a sample from another person's album who is referred to as a witch. Because in that clip that I just played you, the opening of that song, that humming, like many others, had a sample of a chant from an artist who was referred to as a witch. Why does it have that chant? Because this witch was hired by many global artists from the UK to the US, from Yashola Amas to Puff Daddy, to chant on tracks. Because whenever she would put her chant on tracks, those tracks would go to number one. And so she was hired for this purpose. I want to give you a quote from a business expert who I will refer to as Chris H. That's not his real name. And um, the artist referred to in the quote is the witch in question that I just mentioned to you. It goes on to say, as a little kid, Chris yearned to be a part of something. And the immersive world of this artist made him feel included. Chris went on to say, I immediately responded to it, he said. Something about this artist, referring to this witch, connected to the witchy part of my brain. This occultish association makes sense. The circular curative properties of this artist's music recall some of the qualities that once made witches so threatening to society. Now, I did not mention the lady in question. I did not mention Chris's real name in question because I don't want you to go away solely with that from what I am sharing with you today. I am not G. Craig Lewis, for those of you who remember him from back in the day, but rather I wanted you to understand that this is the power of music and that the people of the world understood this, but also people in biblical times understood this. Because I don't know if you noticed something from the scripture we read in 1 Samuel a few moments ago, but when David played the harp, the distressing spirit left. That means if music can play a distressing spirit out, music can play a distressing spirit in. Did you hear what I said? This is why we must be very careful about what we open our spirits to. I told you earlier on that the Lord told me to stop listening to a track that was an instrumental. We need to be careful about what we allow in our spirits. I remember being at a wedding several years ago and hearing a track that came on that brought everybody to the dance floor and I really, really liked the track and I was really getting down to the track. But as I said, I'm intentionally conscious about the jewelry I wear and the music that I listen to. And so whilst everyone was dancing, one guy walked past me and I called him aside and I said, you know, what is this song saying? Because I couldn't understand the language behind it. And I said, could you translate what this song is saying? And he took a moment and stopped and said, oh, this song is simply calling the dead spirits from the grave to rise again. I said, thank you very much for letting me know. I am one of those people, I want to know what I'm hearing before I start to receive it. 
So when I start hearing Mama Say, Mama Say, Mamakusa, I'm like, huh? What is that meaning? And fortunately, that's actually not a negative thing. It means happy, it means joy. But I'm the kind of person that I want the interpretation first before I receive it because I'm careful what comes into my spirit. Now, I'm not saying this again to say that one shouldn't listen to secular music. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is be careful that what you listen to doesn't aggravate your spirit. And I'm saying this to remind you of the power of music. For some of you, you hear certain songs, you hear certain slow jams, and it takes you to a place you don't want to be anymore. We heard from Pastor Emmanuel last week when he was talking about being a schemer and singing that song and what influence that had. We must be very careful what we allow to come into our spirit. Someone said the power of music versus the power of worship. Even some of the nursery rhymes we sang as a child, it's only in hindsight that we realize how sad they were. I mean, Humpty Dumpty fell off a wall, cracked his head. What does that mean? Let's be honest. The old man is snoring. It's raining. It's pouring. The old man is snoring. Bumped his head. Never woke up in the morning. Didn't think about that, did you? Bar, bar, black sheep. Ring a ring of roses. The rhymes are endless. But with all that said, I don't actually fear music. Because though I know how powerful it is and can be, I know that worship is far more powerful. Far more powerful. And I don't know about you, but I love to enter God's presence with praise and worship. My Bible tells me in Psalm chapter 100 and verse 4, it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. In a Nigerian culture, you don't visit someone's house for the first time empty-handed. However, I say to people, whether you are entering God's house for the first time or the thousandth time, you shouldn't come empty-handed and you shouldn't come empty-hearted. You shouldn't come empty-handed with nothing to give because your offering is a form of worship unto God. But you should never come empty-hearted, not ready to give your praise unto God. Again, in biblical times, they understood how music was powerful, but much more, they also understood how much more powerful worship is. And we see this with the same story of Saul and David that we read in 1 Samuel 16. What is interesting to note about the scripture that we read is that this distressing spirit that came upon Saul actually came from God. It's right there in your Bible. It's God that put this distressing spirit on Saul. But yet when the harp was played, God could not help himself but to remove the distressing spirit, even though he put it there. Because that's how much he inhabits our worship. Now, I'm telling you, the reason why that distressing spirit left wasn't actually because of the music that was played. Rather, it was because of the heart behind the person playing. I don't know about you, but I've come to realize that there is a difference between an instrumentalist and a worshiper. There's a difference between a musician and a worshiper. In the same way, there's a difference between someone in the choir who sings and someone who worships God. Yeah. Let's not confuse singing with worshiping 
God. Let me tell you something. God is not interested in your voice. He's interested in your heart. Now let me just add a caveat in there. That is not a justification for you to go to the praise and worship team and say, Pastor Kunle said, listen, it's the heart that matters. No, we don't want you to put us off our praise and worship, okay? But more importantly, God is looking at the heart. And I don't know about you, but I've been in places where I've heard musicians play and they have played beautifully. I mean, wonderfully. I mean, the drummer is on point, the bass guitar is on point. And you know, you know it's good when it makes you screw your face and imitate like you're playing that. <laughs> That's when you know it's good. I've been in places where that has been the case, but yet it did not feel like the presence of God was there. Likewise, I've been in places where there's been a few off keynotes, where the timing hasn't been perfect, but yet people are flat out in God's presence. The power of God is strong. The power of God is almost tangible. Why? Because as great as it is to sound good, God is more concerned about the heart of each and every one of us when it comes to worship. He doesn't just want us to come to his house and sing. He wants us to come to his house and worship. And let me tell you this. There are many people who sing in harmony but they're not in harmony with the people who they sing with. And God is looking at the heart behind the harp. Someone say the power of music versus the power of worship. If any random servant had played the harp, I don't think the spirit would have left because it was never just about the music. It was about the heart behind the harp. This is why an instrumental song could affect me. Because it wasn't about the song per se, as it was the spirit behind the music. And this is why you must be careful, firstly, not to underestimate the power of corporate worship. I can't understand how people miss praise and worship at 11 a.m. You cannot underestimate the power of corporate worship. And I would encourage you, especially if you're watching online and you can be here, even before 11 a.m., as God is waiting, we should be waiting Likewise, with an open heart, ready to give him the worship that is due unto his name. Please do not underestimate the power of corporate worship. But secondly, please also make sure that you don't find yourself singing instead of worshipping. Participating or spectating rather than worshipping. I've always found it a foreign concept when people say, worship was powerful today. I've always found that a foreign concept. For me, that's a bit like me saying to you, I went to church today and we opened our Bibles. Huh? You would expect that to be the norm. So when people say worship was powerful today, I don't understand. Because let me use a, a double negative. Worship is never not powerful. Did you hear what I said? Worship is never not powerful. In other words, worship is always powerful. But it is what you make it. It's about the heart that you come with. It's about the presence that you bring into his presence that determines his presence in your life. And it's because worship is powerful that I want to encourage you to note the following three things. Number one. Be careful that you don't give your worship to idols. Did you hear what I said? 
be careful that you don't give your worship to idols. An idol is anything that takes the place of God. Now, I am not against you enjoying entertainment. I am against you when you can enjoy the thrill of entertainment, but don't give God half of that enthusiasm when you come into his presence. Today, thousands of people will be shouting at sports players on a football pitch that can't hear them. Pass the ball, move, because of their enthusiasm in their hearts. We should never be in a place where we have so much enthusiasm for the things that matter the least over the things that matter the most. Did you hear what I said? It's gone quiet in here today. Is everyone all right? Be careful that you don't give your worship to idols. And let me tell you this. So many people use their personality as a justification for their lack of participation when it comes to praise and worship. And this leads me nicely to my second point. Your personality is not a prerequisite for your praise. Did you hear what I said? Your personality is not a prerequisite for your praise. Or as a friend of mine put it, your personality is not a prison for your praise. In Luke chapter 19, verse 40, God said, if you don't worship me, I will raise up the stones to do so. In other words, either which way I'm going to be worshipped. Whether you decide to get involved or not is up to you, but I am going to be worshipped. And God cannot but inhabit the praises of his people. So much so that even though it was a distressing spirit on Saul that he put there, he still had to remove that when it came to worship. Please don't offer your praise to others and to idols and withhold it from God under the guise of your personality. When you come into the house of God, you are free to worship God anyhow. And at some point, I'm going to teach a sermon on how we worship God through the use of our bodies and our actions because the Bible has a lot to say about how we use our bodies in worship. In fact, the Hebrew Bible has 217 words on worship which translated all relate to things like stooping down, um, prostrating, okay, and how we use our bodies to worship. So when people say, oh, this is just the way I worship, no, because the Bible says, oh, you clap your hands, you joyful people. It says, clap your hands, you joyful people. It says, shout to the Lord. It says, dance. It says, David danced like he had no care in the world. All these dance moves that you're seeing now, David was doing them back in the day. You think Azonto is new? No, David was doing it back in the day, okay? The Bible shows us how we use our bodies to praise God. So let's stop using our justifications when it comes to the house of God. The word of God says, out of the abundance of the, how- of the heart, the mouth speaks. I go on to say, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth sings. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth sings. Because when you are grateful to God for what he is doing and has done in your life, no one tells you to lift your hands. No one tells you to clap your hands. You do it from a place of gratitude. That's like me telling you to say thank you when I've given you something. You do it naturally out of, out of a place of gratitude. And when you come into the presence of God, it should be the same thing. You should not be waiting to someone to tell you, oh, you should clap your hands now. You should lift your hands now. No, you should come into the presence of God willing to give him the praise that is due unto his name. And thirdly, I want to encourage you and give you this note to take away. More powerful than music is worship. More powerful than music is worship. So number one, be careful that you don't give your worship to idols. Number two, your personality is not a prerequisite for your praise. And number three, more powerful than music is worship. I once heard a true story of a wedding that took place where a man collapsed at the altar and died. And this is a true story I heard. 
And after the staff did all they could to try and divert the attention away from the scene, um, one worker at the wedding stopped and said, I remember pastor saying, where prayer cannot break through, worship can. And it was with that that, that, that the staff decided to start worshipping God, even though they knew this man was pronounced dead. And all of a sudden, this dead man had life again. True story. That's the power of worship that music cannot give you. Did you hear what I said? That's the power of worship that music cannot give you. In Isaiah chapter 38 and 2 Kings 20, and you can read it in your own time, we come across Hezekiah. Isaiah the prophet is sent to him to tell him, listen, put your life in order. You're about to die. The Bible says Hezekiah turns to the wall. What does he do? He cries out to the Lord, he prays, and he begins to worship God. And it is with that that before Isaiah has even left the court, that the Lord says to Isaiah, go back to Hezekiah and tell him, I will spare your life for another 15 years. That's the power of worship. Did you hear what I said? That's the power of worship. Lest we forget Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16 in jail. What did they do? Pray? Yes. What else did they do? They sang hymns. What is a hymn? A hymn is a praise song unto God. In other words, they didn't just pray, they praised his name. And we all know what happened. The jail was open and they were set free. Some of us know to pray when there's a matter pertaining to our hearts that we want clarity on, that we want guidance on. Some of us know how to pray when we want to speak to God about those things that are lodged in our minds and our hearts that bother us. However, when was the last time you just stopped to worship God? I mean, we do a lot of praying and asking, but when was the last time you just lifted up your hands one morning and say, Lord, I just want to thank you. I just want to worship you. I'm just going to sing songs unto your holy name. And let me tell you this as I get ready to close. I wonder, if worship can raise the dead to life, if it can spare the life of someone that God would now change his mind and preserve Hezekiah's life, if it can remove a distressing spirit that was put there by God, what can it do in your life? What can it do in your life? What prisons can it break you out of? Did you hear what I said? What prisons can it break you out of that have a stronghold on your life? What spirit of stress lack, anxiety, worry, or fear, or the like, can it set you free from? I don't know about you, but whatever challenges you currently face, I would encourage you to ask God to put a new song on your heart and on your lips. And I would encourage you to embrace the power of worship. Psalm chapter 40 verse 3 says, He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Some of you, you have battles that you've been praying about. Actually, God just wants you to lift up a new song to him. He just wants you to come before his presence with worship. 
Some of you will go into this week of prayer and fasting, praying about things this week that you prayed about in the last prayer and fasting. But God just wants you to kneel before him and worship him. Do you know the Bible says that the Spirit intercedes on our behalf. He makes groans for the things that we cannot utter. There are times sometimes where you don't know what to pray for. Just worship him. When you don't know what words to say, when you find it so hard in your heart to let go of that bitterness, to give up the forgiveness or to hold back from revenge or speaking up or paying evil for evil, just worship God. I cannot tell you how powerful worship is. And I encourage you that if you determine to have a heart of worship, you will see so many prisons in your life that he will set you free from. Music is powerful, but far more powerful than music is worship. Is there anyone in here that's ready to worship God this afternoon? If that's you, would you stand this afternoon? Holy Spirit, fill the room.